to read this here. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, then, Tess, you ready, eh? Okay. Well, <laughs> as much as you can. But just prepare this. The, the reason, let me just, before I read Psalm 23, uh, today's Tessa's last day with us before she goes to the UK. And, um, and so she's going to come and say something. We're going to pray, obviously pray for her. Uh, so it's one of those yeah, joyous, sad moments, but we know God's going to do something with you, Tess. So, but let me read this because I think this applies to even what's happening here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> the Lord is my, I shall not want. That's a statement. It's not a hope. It didn't say the Lord is my shepherd, I hope I don't want. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no lack. That's the other thing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's no lack when he's my shepherd. Now, if you your shepherd, if you're going to look after you, if you look at anybody else, if you look at Jen and I to be your shepherd, you're going to have lack. But when we look to Jesus, we shall have no lack. No want will be in us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I mean, that's an invitation, but sometimes it's also he makes us. You know, sometimes the shepherd takes sheep to a place and, and some sheep are always busy and then he makes them lie down. <laughs> some naughty sheep, he goes and he, he sorts them out in the most uh, uh, bizarre way, but shepherds would break some uh, real bad sheep's legs so that he'd have to carry them around his shoulders until the sheep heals and all the sheep knows is the fragrance of the shepherd. How gracious and merciful is that? <laughs> that? When God would come and he would say this, oh, son, should I love you, but you, you're always running off. You're always running off. I'm, I'm going to break your leg. In our little Western woke world, it would be like, never, not my Jesus. My Jesus is just so, he's just like me. He'll, he, no, what if, he, what if he, knew, he knew everything about me and he, he would do that because the best place for me would be around his shoulders, deeply needing him. Can't look after myself. And all I know after a couple of months or weeks is the fragrance of the shepherd. And so when he walks, all I want to do is be with the shepherd. Come on. So that's what it says. He makes me lie down uh, in green pastures, not in barren lands. He's always leading me to green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. How many of you need your soul restored? Okay, uh, uh, when you're living in this world, I think you better, uh, you know, if you don't need your soul restored, let us know where you live. I'd love to come live there, you know, but the reality is the bombardment of everything that we're going around, relational stuff, just economic stuff, all of that stuff, he restores your soul. Your spirit is brand new if you're born again, but he restores your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So there are paths that we can walk in righteousness that bear fruit that are right paths. They're also wrong paths, okay? And then he says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why will we fear no evil? Oh, yes, you guys, you read ahead. That's lovely, okay? Just because he's with me, that's the reality. Because wherever God is, he's my shepherd, and I shall not one. <laughs> so in the valley of the shadow of death, um, death, I don't have to fear any evil, why not? Because he's with me and I have everything I need in that valley. And you know, he doesn't make me lie down in valleys of death. There are some Christians who think that's their destination. No, God's just going to lead me to a valley of death. I've just got to be, no, he leads you through it. It's not your destination. It's just a place to walk through. You know, when you get into the valley, keep moving. 
Don't put your tent out. Don't do anything. Just keep walking. Okay, because he's leading you. Some Christians get stuck in those valleys. All right, so don't do that. Okay. He says, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, those two things are profound. One's authority and one's defense. So a rod will, will, will be authority and, a, you know, a staff will be authority. A rod will drive away all that which wants to come against you. That's what a shepherd does. He, he doesn't beat sheep. He beats wolves. <laughs> and so you can imagine in a valley of, of death, what happens? Wolves are around there, bloodthirsty, demonic wolves wanting to destroy you. And God's got a rod and he beats wolves. He does not beat sheep. <laughs> he beats wolves and he comforts sheep. I love that. It's so encouraging. All right. Almost there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, here's, this, here's the big picture for this morning. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So Dan was just kind of, when we were in the pre-service prayer meeting, often when we think of anointing oil, especially in our Western context, we always got some guy with a little bottle of oil. Hey, am I right? He's got a little bottle of oil and he dabs his finger on it and he touches you on the forehead. So you can, especially the ladies, it doesn't mess with your makeup and then you can just wipe it off and, and not get your hair oily. And you can still look glamorous. Okay, for the guys, we couldn't care. You know, we just rub it in our eyebrows, <clears throat> get a little bit of moisture on their face, we don't mind. But, but that's not the picture of the oil. When David was anointed, the Bible says that Samuel brought a horn filled with oil. And that would be like a ram's horn. It would be, it would be sometimes up to four liters of oil. You going home oily. You're not going to hide where you've been. Where have you been? Oh, I've been with Samuel. Oh, I can see that. And it's sweet, sweet, sweet. There's oil everywhere. Slipping in the kitchen. You know, just, you, you are going to have an oily reality. And some of us, it's like, oh, I can just manage the anointing because I don't want to have it affect my clothing or my comfort. But for David, he understood what that oil was. It was going to get into the very fabric of his life. It was going to change the direction of his life. See, anointing is not for you to have a nice little comfortable life. It's for you to be empowered to do what God calls you to do. And you, you don't need a little anointing that you can just rub on and put on. You need something that's going to permeate you. And so when he says he anoints sheep's heads, the old practice, some of you maybe have seen it recently, uh, the shepherd would also have quite a lot of oil with him. And some of the sheep whose heads, uh, the flies would be around and they'd come and you know, around the moisture areas, the eyes and the ears, they would get in there and they'd lay the eggs, maggots. And, and you can imagine how that must be confusing for a sheep, the horribleness of having a, a fly or a maggot growing in your ear, your eyes pussy. I mean, that's really what, and he would come and anoint the sheep's heads with oil, put in the eyes, in the ears. It would kill all of those flies. And that speaks of demonic. He'd smother them. He wouldn't just put a little, little thing on you. He'd rub it, massage it. So he's got the sheep and all these sheep's doing this. It's got between his legs. I don't know how, you know, got in a vice grip. I don't know. <clears throat> but when that sheep's leaving there, that sheep might've felt uncomfortable <laughs> with the process, but it's going to kill the flies. How many of you know that in the world we live in, we need anointing to kill the demonic flies that want to come and rest in our heads. The thoughts of future, the thoughts of us, all of that, a flower would come and say, you're not good enough. Where's God? Look at your valley. Where are you? You're all this blessing, where? And then you just need some anointing to kill those flies so you can actually, yes, Lord. 
you're leading me through this valley. Thank you for the anointing on my head. So I can think right. I can have your mind, oh God. That make sense? So, so I want to ask you to prepare your heart to receive. Okay? And I'm going to do that now. I'm going to ask Tess to come. But how do you prepare your heart? You don't, you don't prepare this head because you know, how, how's it going to work? And what, what are you going to do? I hope I don't fall down. Some people, when I pray about it, your biggest thing is, I just don't want to fall down. You've already missed the whole exercise. I just don't want to laugh. I don't want to cry. My most expensive mascara. And it's, it's, not, it's not the runny, you know, waterproof type. You've missed, you've missed all of it. <laughs> it's like, come on, do you want anointing? Do you want anointing? Then you've got to put your head and say, head, you will not stop me from receiving all that God has for me. So I'm going to get my head under my heart, under my heart. Are you with me? So that God could come. And I tell you, Rob says this. He says, man, to pray for people who are receptive is so much easier than to pray for people with, with wooden heads. Like electric current does nothing. It all stays in the hand. You know, it's like the person like, is that your best? Hmm? Is that all? He's like, come on. You know, I want to encourage you. You, you come and draw from God. Don't draw from, from anybody who's going to be praying. Just draw from God. Amen. So would you prepare your heart? Because I, I, I believe God wants to anoint our heads with oil this morning. He wants to anoint us this morning. Amen.